0: It's hard to find a great mentor who can help me level up. My dream mentor, Stephen Curry, Simone Biles, episode 38. I was really excited that they have a class on Masterclass. With Masterclass, you can learn from the best to become your best. For just $10 a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to every instructor. And you can access Masterclass on your phone, computer, or even in audio mode. If you want to improve your physical and mental well-being, or if you want to build stronger relationships with renowned psychotherapist Esther Perel, go to Masterclass. Esther Perel's class has really been helping me build stronger relationships. And my friend Robin Roberts's class is helping me really expand my communication skills on the podcast and also in life. Plus, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Right now, our listeners get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash hard things. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash hard things.
1: Okay, everybody, we are back. Thank you for coming back to We Can Do Hard Things, especially after that very intense sex episode we just did. If you haven't listened to it yet, you really just need to go back and listen to the sex episode because this is a follow-up to the sex episode. We had so many hundreds of bazillions of questions that people wanted to ask about sex that we're dedicating a whole episode to the cues, and I won't call them A's. I will not call them answers because I don't really have any answers about sex, but um, we're just going to call them responses. <laughs> And also,
0: a disclaimer, all of our answers and all of the things that we say are ours. Not intended to make anybody think or feel a certain bad or good way about themselves.
1: Right. Or they're also not not based on any sort of knowledge or okay. facts or research. Just our experience.
0: That's it. Right. It's our experience.
1: Right. Whatever we say, you're going to want to double check before enacting <laughs> In your own life okay so sister amanda's here abby's here we're going to get all of of our responses to this first caller who wants to talk about something simple and not at all awkward which is orgasms let's hear it not an orgasm but the cue (laughs) hi glennon and sissy my name is julie and I'm calling because I want to talk about a hard thing, orgasms. I want to hear your thoughts on how to optimize orgasms and what it looks like to come into a healthier relationship with your your yoni, <laughs> your sacred sexuality. Um, and, and I'm in my own process of exploring that too. Thank you. Love it. Orgasms, orgasms. I would like to hear, sister, your thoughts on orgasm because I, just go. Talk to us about orgasms, your relationship with <laughs> orgasms. Way John to pass it over. Way to, just like, way to just hand yeah.
0: her a nice treat.
1: Yeah.
2: yeah. I love that you're like, for this one, I feel like it should be you just because. <laughs> not got- a little. She's bit, like,
1: not it, not it. Well, I feel like you've figured out some more things about orgasms in a heteronormative relationship than some of my friends have, is all I'm gonna say. So And you. And you by the way. Well, well I never I, figured it out in my in my other relationships. So go ahead, Sasik, go. Well, I just I think what you're referring
2: to is what I told you yesterday, which is that I've never faked an orgasm, which apparently is
1: not typical. No. It's not typical. All I did was fake orgasms for my entire life. Go ahead. Um, That is not to say
2: I, unlike you, see previous episode, I'm not hashtag sex queen. I'm not saying, (laughs) therefore, I have always had an orgasm when having sex. All I'm saying is I have never faked having an orgasm during sex. Mm. So I think that that, and I don't know, I haven't talked to a lot of people, maybe is not... um, is not typical. But I think that I just – and this probably relates to what we talked about too, is that I also can't talk during sex. I don't – so I feel like it, with the not talking <laughs> and the faking an orgasm, it, it's just a bridge too far for me. Like right. I can't do it because I feel like I can live without getting what I want, but I, I just can't stomach living – without what I want while also forcing myself through some like elaborate performance pretending that I've gotten what I want so that the other person can feel better about not giving it to me.
1: It just seems very odd thing to yes. do. I just, it's very odd. It's um, so odd, but so many of us do it anyway. But how do you set up sex with your husband so that all of this doesn't, like, just go, just say things. Okay. I'm sweating again.
2: <laughs> I'm really sweating too. Okay. Sorry, John. Um, well, I, so prior to my marriage didn't it didn't go great for me i will say i think that i th- what i did learn is that 75% of all women never reach orgasm just based on intercourse alone so like mm-hmm. that's a big ass percentage and then we have this whole like typical heteronormative couple is just Having intercourse, right? Mm-hmm. And that means if that's is this this is true of you and you're listening, please know that if you're like three out of four people, then you're not having an orgasm, and it's also you are correct not to. <laughs> like there's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with you. So I just that is not what we rely on, and therefore sex for me is really good
1: um right but and he think- understands that about you he understands that about women he understands that you have to set up sex in a way yeah where um how do we say it you are first oh yeah yeah I am always first yes right.
2: right and that leads to a very happy situation for both of us so I think that that just I think it's just kind of this functional thing that if you're faking orgasms like How can you ever get where you want to go if the other person thinks you're already there? Yeah. You'll never get there. So it seems like it's part of the cyclical thing where it's if you're faking an orgasm to check the box and just get through it, you're always going to be in a situation where you're checking the box just to get
1: through it. Like it's never going to improve at all. And that's where the anger comes in. That's yeah. where the anger. Yeah. I mean,
0: it's so important to to have the conversations on what does make a person climax, right? Because it's very easy to understand when a man uh, in a in a heteronormative marriage or relationship, when a man climaxes. But in for a woman it's a lot more complicated and nuanced. And I think what's really important because the world is set up for women to not have orgasm, and it's not because of our f- physical inability to. It's just because what you know, Glenn, and I would ask you, why would you fake orgasm in your hetero marriage normative life before me? Why? W- why was that? Because for me, I I am like that. It literally blows my mind to it be makes in you the, crazy in the mm-hmm. most intimate moment, and to fake this thing. Because I bet if you were to have a conversation, I mean, I I can't speak for the men that you've been with, but like, it would hurt my feelings so much to know that you had faked this moment that I was present for, right? Mm -hmm. Because I don't want you to not have an orgasm. Like that would, that would make me so sad and so upset that you had to feel that you felt like you needed to like move this moment along. It's her.
1: It it, it is that. It's the speed too. I feel like women are trained to not like be too demanding or not whatever because it takes longer. You mean it takes me longer. Yeah, takes me longer, and so it's a lot of my brain being like, okay, it's fine that this is taking so long. Like I have to tell myself, like she's not getting angry or bored or annoyed. Like it's, it's okay. Yes. Yes, it's the willingness to ask for too much.
2: It's reclaiming
1: our time. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) Yes. that's exactly
0: right. And I know this about you, so I have to make sure that you feel that my energy is the same and we're good here. Yeah, nevertheless,
2: she persisted. persisted. Nevertheless, persisted. (laughs) But that, but I think it also goes back to because I just realized as I was sitting here, like I'm. I frame that whole thing of, like, I'm not going to do some elaborate performance to, so that you feel good about what you failed to do. Mm. But I think that's a step beyond. I think most of us are in the place, and I get it, of the, like, oh, no, I'm pretending not to make them feel better. I'm pretending to mask that I must be broken, that my shit doesn't work the way it's supposed to. Uh. Right? Because Mm -hmm. Because... Part of it is placating the other person. Part of it is just I don't want to reveal that apparently if I was a normal sexually functioning human the way I was supposed to work, I would have already had an orgasm. It just takes women longer. And also it takes different shit. 75% of women do not climax just from intercourse alone. I'm going to just get a shirt that says that because
1: it's, it's not you. You're not supposed to. It's not like the movies. It's, it's not like the movies where in so five seconds, everyone's writhing. and Nobody done. is like, writhing. No. That's all
0: fake.
2: Quick math. The less your business spends on operations in multiple systems, the more margin you have and the more of your hard-earned money you get to keep. But with higher expenses than ever on things like materials and distribution, everything just costs more. That's why smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. You'll reduce IT costs, you'll cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems, and you'll improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move, and expenses don't slow down. So why should you?
1: By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash hard things. NetSuite.com slash hard things. That's netsuite.com slash hard things. But I just want to say one thing. Is it – I think it it is a good thing to assume best intentions that like if men knew this, that they would just be willing to just – that they would be devastated to know that we were all faking – that a lot of us were faking orgasms. That if they knew that not – penetration wasn't the only way of it. And I'm sure some of them would and I do feel deeply that I've had partners who did not give a shit. Mm. So there's that too, that like they really are, that, that everybody's complicit in the faking of the orgasms sometimes, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? That there is and can be, I think there are probably women out there who feel on their deepest level that the, everybody knows the game and everybody's fine with it.
0: This is yeah. why all women need to invest in toys, sex toys, vibrators, whatever it is that you and by the way, I bet you your partner would be super into it, right? Like if you find that you fall in the 75% category, like most of us are, then you need to figure out a different way. And there are ways and now you can order this shit online before back in the day, you had to go into the store. It was a little bit like, oh, I've done that.
1: I've done yeah. A little bit scary and nerve-wracking. Uh-huh. And I and I do feel like the whole vibrator thing. I think let's make that right now. We're going to break and tell you that's our thing that making life easier. We're going to have the segment of what's making life easier. Vibrators are making life easier when it comes to sex. Also, all this partner talk, like you don't have to have a partner to have sex with a vibrator. That's right? right. Like That's right. I don't, I think that sex alone is a beautiful, amazing thing. It's like introvert sex. Introvert sex, n- you don't have to deal with any other people, right? And then it's just actually sort of the perfect situation. <laughs> okay. Don't say that. Your the, wife is like literally sitting right here. You're right. It's not you're right. the
0: perfect situation. It's like almost perfect. You're right. You're right. Also, but, it's sexy for me to think about you doing that. So, okay.
1: Okay. Good. And also, by the way, for, for lesbians for whom sex takes so much effort. And by the way, it's actually all people. Like men need – it does it, – everybody needs more effort, right? Because mm-hmm. we know women don't – but the vibrators do make even our sex very much easier sometimes. Sometimes mm-hmm. we're too tired for the whole rigmarole. Totally. The whole rigmarole is so much
2: rigmarole. Okay. It also goes back to what we talked about in the other episode, which is the responsive desire. Like if 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 – the vast majority of women go responsive to dev- desire, physical to mind. The those kind of supplemental stuff that can get you from the physical space to the mind wanting it it's is good. a very
1: helpful tool. Yeah, and 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 let's just wrap this co- orgasm, faking orgasm thing up <laughs> with. We need to, in all ways, stop rewarding mediocrity. <laughs> in in bus- in 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 rooms in, in board meetings in sex everywhere we need to stop applauding moaning and rewarding just the bare freaking minimum That's right good. and orgasms are a way that we continue to this process of male does the bare freaking minimum not with generosity not with service not with knowledge and we reward it it's good, right?
2: Right. And also just, A, you're normal. It's not that like you should have had an orgasm. No. Based on that. B, some people, I mean, I would be fine with the occasional sex where I didn't have an orgasm. I get it. Like, that's fine. But I'm also not going to fake it to ensure that it's more likely that I won't the next time. Yes. Yes.
1: I, we have a few write-ins. That I want to talk about. So one, so many people asked us, how do we talk to our kids about sex? Mm. Okay. So how do we break this cycle of not talking about this thing of passing on the silence or awkwardness that convinces our kids in a million ways that sex is shameful, that sex is something we don't talk about, that sex is something they have to go through their whole lives alone on. How do we, and I'm asking this question because I do not know this answer. We bring it up all the time with our kids. I think we're probably more open than most and our kids still cringe every time we bring it up. They run Mm -hmm. out of rooms. I was thinking about this earlier and this moment came to mind where when the kids were really little, I used to try to like talk to them about anatomy really carefully, Mm -hmm. Um, like the difference between a vulva and a vagina. And sister, you talk about this all the time with Alice, but- there was this book we had that talked about like the birth canal, the tunnel. It was, and they just kept describing it as a tunnel. It's a birth canal. And I remember being upstairs having a new family over to the house, okay? And their kids were downstairs in the basement playing. And we had this – you know those little tunnels that they had? They have it like little play mm-hmm. gyms. We had this pun- tunnel that the kids would climb through. And from, from the basement, this woman I was trying to impress because I thought she was really cool that her friends were over – Either Tish or Chase, I can't remember, started yelling, he won't get out of my vagina. (laughs) He won't get out of my vagina. And I ran downstairs and the kid's in the tunnel. Okay. So uh, just there's been a lot of confusion in our family when we're trying so hard to talk about sex. I feel like you do a really good job, Sister Amanda, talking to the kiddos. So what, what can you tell us about these conversations with our little ones?
2: Well, they're really little now, so Alice just turned seven this month, and I, we just starting very, very basic, so we just mostly talk about body parts now, so she, but we I, that makes me laugh because we had a similar situation where oh, there was like 20 people over in my backyard, and Alice came running out of the house and screamed, I fell down and banged my clitoris, like <laughs> <laughs>
1: when I bang my clitoris in front of people.
2: And she went, everyone was like, I'm sorry. But I think it's really important. Like that did feel like this moment of joy for me because I mm-hmm. swear to God, I found out I had a clitoris when I was in college. Oh, uh, like
1: last Tuesday, yes.
2: Like, <laughs> like, what is that about? It's It's because, it is because it's the only part of women's bodies that are, its only function is pleasure. Mm -hmm. that's a reason we don't learn about it they're talking about how like even the experts don't often don't use the term clitoris because it's like it's so scandalous that its only job is to give women pleasure and parents don't have any reason to discuss it because it's direct because it's only about pleasure so i'm like that's your clitoris it is there to give you pleasure like we just talk about things like that, and we just talk about the body parts, and then when she asks about sex, I just tell her what sex is. I don't mm-hmm. say things like "when, a, when a mommy and daddy love each other <laughs> so much." <laughs> you know, I I say like, sperm comes, friends ejaculated from a penis into a vagina, and it. it
1: fertilizes an egg you know like we but just do you talk t- about sex as just that act or do, because that's not like how i would describe sex to my kids as a same gender couple well she well in that case she asked she asked how babies were made to oh be got clear. it got so it. we okay. did
2: it she has not asked directly what sex is she's asked about babies and how we get them and vulvas mm-hmm. and all of that stuff um so i but for me, it's not even at this age, it, it's less about talking about sex. It's more about talking about all the things. Like mm-hmm. how, you know, when people want her to smile at them, I'm like, you don't have to. When she goes with a babysitter, she's like, I don't like them. I'm like, okay, good. Tell me more. What was your body telling you? What was your mm-hmm. – when she wants to eat, I'm, you know, what – Listen to your body. Does your body want more food? Is your body finished with your food? It's it, for me, it's just like sex is just an extension mm-hmm. of all of these other ways that we learn to disassociate from what our body's telling us and the what our body wants and needs, and how we learn to just accept what other people require of us that and adapt is to it.
1: So interesting.
2: dot com slash hard things for free shipping on your order and three hundred and sixty five day returns. that's q u i n c e dot com slash hard things to get free shipping and three hundred and sixty five day returns quince dot com slash hard things
1: so the idea of when your kids are little, sex talks can be just a million different ways you teach your children to trust their own bodies good. right. And to not allow themselves to be objects, just some objects that have to smile and be pretty for the world and to teach them about desire instead of just being desired. Yes. And what you like,
2: even teaching what do you like? Like that is irrelevant. What do you like? What does it feel like? She loves for me to scratch her back. She loves for me to... And I'm like, oh, you like the way that feels. You like that. Ask me Uh to do that. You know, it's just... And also,
1: I would say that what we talked about last week in terms of, or in the last episode, about each adult, each person listening, figuring out what is sex to you. mm -hmm. Because when you think about it, we're always, the things we don't know how to talk to our kids about are always things we haven't figured out for ourselves. Like if we don't have an idea, I want to pass on to my kids the beautiful, nuanced, personal ideas I have about things. I don't want them just inhaling the cultural idea of that, about that thing. I want to share with them what I believe, and I want them to know that there is no definition of sex. Here's mine. You will one day have yours. That's
0: right. That's right. And I think that, you know, I've, I've traveled so much around the world, and it's really interesting to me how, in European culture, they are talking about bodies and sexual parts and sexual um interactions and experiences from the time that these kids are little so Mm -hmm. nudity for instance is not a thing that people in europe care about people are Mm -hmm. much more free with their bodies then the the next step is much more free to talk about sex much more free and guess what fewer teenage pregnancies fewer stds are happening in these countries that talk about these things with younger children so it's weird why is it in america that we are a so... purity
1: culture. That's
0: exactly right.
1: Because we're mm-hmm. freaking Puritans. And it's just so many people wrote in, babe, you're exactly right about purity culture. And what we mean by that is this idea that we were talking about in the last episode about women are worth more when they don't give away the only currency they have, which is their bodies, sex. Ugh,
0: it's so frustrating. Like religion, the way that I was taught about sex basically, I had to figure it out on my own because Mm -hmm. of the Catholic religion that I was born and raised in, right? So it was like, let's not talk about it and let this 15-year-old child Mm -hmm. figure it out herself. Let this 15-year-old child figure out her own sexuality, her own relationship with her body, her own, like, rather than having that be an ongoing conversation that you have with the adults in your life. Mm -hmm. And as much as you know, as much as our kids hate it, I am fine and completely comfortable talking about sex in front of them. Mm
2: -hmm. And I'm going
0: to keep making them uncomfortable until they learn from themselves what they and their relationship with sex and their bodies are going to be like.
2: And and this is huge. And I feel like not to be um, bringing it to this other level, but it's an incredibly relevant piece, which is that in a world where one in four women or girls, has experienced sexual trauma, where interpersonal violence, when when children are sexually abused at the level that they are right now, and, and girls particularly, it is both the talking about the sex, it includes making nothing stigmatized making mm-hmm. nothing, talking about our bodies, making nothing um, uncomfortable for your child to speak to you about because if your child is traumatized, I mean, I still have flashes of a few shame sex experiences I had when I'm having sex with my loving, wonderful husband. I can't imagine the level, the, the trauma that you bring inside of your body to every sexual interaction when you have been abused as a child, raped as a woman, all of that confusing that you take with you. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a service to our children to to be talking about what are our sacred parts of our body, who is allowed to touch them. We are allowed to touch them. I mean, we being you, the child, are allowed to touch them whenever you want. You know, like making it a free conversation throughout mm-hmm. both protects them from the ongoing threat of abuse to them, and will help them later on to not bring those experiences with them. And I think yeah. that the the purity culture that you just brought up introduces this entire level of shame that is so traumatic.
1: Mm-hmm. And Abby, it
2: isn't true that they left you to figure it out yourself. They saddled you with the views that everything regular sex was shameful, not That's to right. mention homosexual sex was mm-hmm. deviant. So you weren't left to navigate on your own. You actually probably would have done fine if you were left on your own. Yeah, you, you were, were saddled. You were poisoned and then left to navigate and find a joyful life of freedom in your sexual experience. Yeah. I mean, I
1: were poisoned from every avenue, and then suddenly somebody's like, "Why aren't you healthy?" Mm. Like, well, I've been poisoned my entire life.
2: I mean, I found a quote book that I used to keep during like late elementary school and middle school, and I was flipping back through it. I kid you not, this was a quote that I wrote down, a saint somebody or other, and it was, God can do anything, but he cannot raise a virgin after she has fallen. Oh, sweet Jesus. Okay, I wrote that in my quote (laughs) book because I was so... And then I wondered, why didn't I have more spontaneous, joyful (laughs) sex? Okay, like literally God made the earth and the stars, but... He cannot raise a virgin from whatever depths of hell she has descended to. Jesus. So
0: and yeah, maybe that does enter into your psyche and and transfer throughout the whole of your life. Of course, from even wanting to even consider having sex as an adult. It's like this shit is so fucking toxic.
1: God. Like why do we feel so inhibited? Why do we feel so shameful? <laughs> why do we why can't we like let ourselves go in bed? I mean, everybody but especially people who have been raised inside religious purity culture. It is very very hard to detox from that poison. We don't
0: want to go to hell. We want to go to heaven.
2: <laughs> I just the goal with the kids is like I just want to raise kids that sex is so precious there's nothing precious about it yeah mm-hmm. that there is no rule structure that you can follow to have to have sex i want every kid I want every person to have access to birth control I want every person to have access to reproductive justice I want every person to have access to preventing um, sexually transmitted diseases and then I want every person to know and trust themselves and what their bodies want and their own value enough to navigate it without these Uh, cultural ideas yes
1: decisions about what is sex and what is it worth that's it that's right that's right that's good It's match. That's right. So download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers Cash. Redeem your Pampers Cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Okay, um, babe, I'm gonna ask you to answer this last. Right in, we'll do. Don't worry, we're gonna do a whole nother one about sex. Okay, but for this last one. So many people asked us, and I think it's because we are feminists and very progressive and <laughs> in the same gender marriage. I think they think maybe we're like edgier than we are, uh-huh. but we got a lot of questions about how you and I feel about polyamory and oh. how you and I feel about non-monogamy oh. for ourselves. So babe, I want to hear real quick your very open-minded thoughts about Non-monogamy.
0: Well, I think it's just the worst thing in the world. (laughs) I think that it is not good for me. It doesn't sit well with me. I, I mean, we've had many conversations, not like whether we would do this, but like, no, we're not. No, how can people do this?
1: (laughs) We aren't mature enough, you guys. I feel I am someone who had, in order to find comfort and power in my own skin sexually, I had to go outside of what everyone told me was expected of me. Because of that, I conceptually understand that my friends who believe in non-monogamy, practice non-monogamy, I have dear friends who practice polyamory, who I truly believe because they tell me, and I can see it in their lives, that they have found what works for them. Yeah. To that, I say, hell yes. Yes. To anyone who is asking my wife and I about non-monogamy, I say, hell no, and get behind me, Satan. And no, no, and additionally, also no. <laughs> and for good measure, one more no. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, I think that one thing that one thing that we talk about... You know, like, I believe people should be able to do whatever the hell they want
1: with their life. Yes, you know,
0: like, this is no judgment on uh, the way other people choose. And, and quite frankly, I hope that those who are living in non-monogamous relationships or living polyamorous lives, I hope they understand that we are still warriors for you also. Yes! But, <laughs> I can't consider it as an option for me and my life and my wife because I have, I think, probably too many insecurity issues.
1: Yeah, maybe. I don't know what it is. It's because of Jealousy issues. Yeah, and yeah. We're I would very never, jealous people.
0: I would never want to share you with anybody.
1: No. And it
0: just wouldn't work for me. Like m- The way that my trust and heart is set up is just it doesn't jive with me like i'm a one woman kind of person Yes, i'm i'm like monogamous through and through
1: you're the most monogamous that ever That's and i do feel like this goes back to what we talked about in the last episode this is why it's so important to define what sex is for you mm-hmm. because my non-monogamous friends have a very different definition of sex than i do when totally. i said it's something that is this place that I go to that I can only share with one person that is not what their definition of sex is. And so yeah. when you figure out what it is for you, that's what's important, not tell, what the world Oh, yeah. you're going to you're going to ask it, you're going to tell, tell them me. what Sabrina said. Yeah, so we have this friend who's a comedian who's this is the funniest person on earth named Sabrina, Sabrina Julie. Yeah. yeah and she, we were doing an event with her and she was talking about how she's a queer and married to a woman and she's super pro- progressive and she was talking about on stage about how she's since she's progressive about everything, everything, the gay rights, the queers, all the things and then somebody brings up polyamory and she says, and then I turn into the Westboro Baptist Church.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and that's how I feel. I'm like, yes, when she said that, we were on stage. And I was like, that's exactly how I feel. Like I am, that's right, that's right. <laughs> That's right. Mostly anyway.
2: I'm just I'm just marvel at it. I mean, we were at dinner the other yeah. night and John's sister brought up her his fifth grade girlfriend. And I had to do like deep breathing exercises to not look like a total freak that I was like, <laughs> oh, oh, really talking about like I just the level of I would I don't so know just. how people do it. I don't know how no. people do.
1: Is it a level of not being as evolved as we should? I don't know. Whatever it is, it's what we are. It's who I'm we fine. are. I'm yeah, fine. I'm good. fine. I'm fine. But I bit. do wonder if it is just an evolution because if like the
2: sex is currency, if you're not actually giving yourself away, like I do wonder just not because I'm ever going to be able to do it, but mm-hmm. like if sex if sex isn't as giving yourself away which is what we figure the whole save yourself. You're exchanging goods and services mm-hmm, through your sex mm-hmm. all the time. Then you're not really losing any part of that other person when mm-hmm. they decide to have sex with someone. Like it it, it is the like I can intellectually, theoretically mm-hmm. see how a more evolved understanding of sex might take the sure the currency so much out of it that I don't lose because you have exchanged this thing with someone else,
1: yeah. But I wouldn't be surprised would- if they, if we looked at a spectrum of of sexual evolution and the people who are in non monogamous relationships that are very consensual, doing it all the way it's supposed to be done or whatever. That that is a more evolved. I'm just not there, and I don't ever want to be there. And additionally, when so so the question is, gee, how do you feel about monogamy? I think my answer would be homicidal. I feel homicidal about <laughs> don't hit us up. Right, don't hit, don't us, hit up. us up. Okay, I love talking to you, too, about sex. Actually, I'm shocked about how much I love it. I think it's so fun. This is fun. Um, also, I'm glad it's over. And <laughs> That was a good idea.
2: Yeah, that was a good idea. <laughs> and also, um, Na- Nagoski's Come As You Are, great book. Yes, I you actually are just normal. that. I'm gonna you read are normal. It. Good.
1: I'm going to read it. I'm going to read it. I, love that. That I idea. love that. I love that. Get rid normal. of the idea, the picture you have in your head of how it's supposed to be and just live in the what is. We love you. We can do hard things. We'll and teach you your daughters what a
2: clitoris is.
1: I banged my clitoris. Baby, good job. my clitoris. <laughs> Bye. 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 We Can Do Hard Things is produced in partnership with Cadence 13 Studios. Be sure to rate, review, and follow the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, or wherever you get your podcasts. Especially be sure to rate and review the podcast if you really liked it. If you didn't, don't worry about it. It's fine. If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. I know I've been there before, and I feel like I'm always expected to know everything despite having all of these questions. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Well, good news. Now, all that info is in one place on homes.com. They've got everything you need to know about the listing itself, but even better.